0: Hello and welcome to Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, episode number 153. On today's show, we are guestless and opcorless, but not without opinion. As always, folks, please give us a follow at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. And if you would like to join us as a guest, reach out to us. We would love to hear your LAFC story. My name is Jonathan Reimer. Joining me this evening, none other than Mr. Christopher Signs. Good evening, sir.
1: What's going on, Jonathan? What's going on, Black and Gold family? Back for another week. Victorious two times this past week. Looking forward to getting into it and talking about it with you all.
0: Yes, folks. 3-0 is the name of today's episode for obvious reasons. So why don't we go ahead and dive into the first of two 3-0 games, my friend?
1: You know, it uh, was an interesting one. Went up north to the frozen tundra, as it were. Uh, played at BC Palace Vancouver in the CONCA Champions League First agri- uh, first away leg. Uh, we had talked about the turf, how it could potentially be an issue. There was not very much of an atmosphere, which I think is going to be also be expected for the match coming up tomorrow uh, because it is a midweek affair, and it also is an opponent that we see on a regular basis. Uh, so I think that there's a lackluster in a little bit. I also think that there were some of the Vancouver fans that weren't expecting much from their team given their recent run of form but of course we had denny Bawanga. it is now the denny Bawanga show this man is on fire and he is literally untouchable it seems like in every match he is making his presence known from uh from last season to this season 11 goals in 11 matches uh, across all all uh across all matches is, is what i believe the the stat the stat line was at one point uh, so it's just amazing, bro. It's an amazing match. Uh, <clears throat> Bawanga in the 55th, Apoku in the 61st minute, and then Bowanga again in the 65th. I mean, at halftime, I was a little nervous. What about you?
0: So I didn't actually make it to the watch party until halftime. Uh, I had to work right up until about 7.15, hopped in my car. Uh Obviously, with this being a CCL game, can't listen. Can't jump on Apple TV, no radio broadcast. So I was kind of trying to drive and loosely follow to what was going on in the game thread. Um, But I joined the Cuervos for their watch party since it was the closest one to my work. Uh, Went over there, met up with uh, everybody from the Cuervos, shouts to all the homies over there. Uh, ran into Philly and Panda, who are there as well, too. And I got there just before the end of the first half. And I was wearing my LAFC reversible jacket when I showed up. And I just felt like the mojo wasn't with us throughout the course of this game. I mean, you talked about their fans not showing up. You couldn't tell if their fans were there or not. You could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. It was so quiet. Handful of LAFC fans are the only ones really bringing the ruckus in that stadium watching the ball bumble around that awkward and awful carpet that they use up there was just it was a frustrating first half you could see a lot of people in the room so i decided you know what it was time for some new energy so i took that jacket off slapped the reverse on it put it back on green side out for the away kits and that was entirely the reason why we stormed out in the second half and completely destroyed them buonga's first goal absolute banger bar down my goodness from deep just just pure filth pure filth and class from Buanga. it was an impressive display he put on a poku great goal on his part as well too Boanga again in the 65th you, you gotta love it i mean it just it just absolutely obliterated a woefully poor vancouver team now going into this we know that they had put a stomping on montreal and we thought maybe some of that five nil energy would carry over and they would put up some fight in this game I mean, really, about 45 minutes of tepid defense from them, and then they just got overwhelmed in the second half. And looking forward to tomorrow's match, uh, what might be today's match at time of publication, I guess the conversation is, Chris, really, what do we have left to do aside from just see out 90 minutes defensively? You have to feel like there's no way the Whitecaps are going to score three at the Mo.
1: I mean, I think that... We need to definitely come out and put, put the nail in the coffin. I think that the heavily rotated roster that started the match against Austin is an indication that we are going to come out and put our best foot forward with our starting 11, this uh, this the second leg. Um, but I think the biggest thing is making sure that we walk away with no injuries. That, that to me, is going to be the thing that I want to make sure that we take away um, because I, I don't. I don't see Vancouver, um, who has been struggling to score goals outside of the one match against uh club du foot Montreal outside of that one match. I, I think that Vancouver has been having a hard time putting up points. And um, so I, I don't see them coming back from a three nil down. Uh, but I, I just, I think it's important that we just make sure that nobody gets hurt leading into the match this upcoming weekend against the galaxy.
0: Look, I'm fine with 30 to 45 minutes of the starters going out there and making sure that the first half goes without Vancouver scoring, right? But if we're still up 3-0, let's just say it's a scoreless first half. I, at that point, I'm ready to just throw in a kitchen sink of substitutions at this game. We already have a three-goal lead. If we can see through 45 minutes with the A squad, save them for the Derby coming up this following weekend, I really don't think... We need to put the A squad out for a full 90 minutes in this game. Not that Dolo ever puts the same squad out for 90 minutes. I mean, he's a minimum three sub, usually five sub kind of coach. But in this game, I just, we already have the lead. That game coming up in Carson and the option to just obliterate them and and more on that game in a second. To me, it's just, is just the bigger prize at the moment. Now, look. CCL is the number one priority for the black and gold this year and they're going to make sure in those first 45 minutes that we see our way through to a CCL win but I think we've already seen this tactically from Dolo throughout the course of the season that they pick moments in which they want to expend energy and then they reserve energy and kind of shut a game down and concede some possession but without a whole lot of opportunity to the opponent. And I think this is one of those games. You just follow that game plan for 90 minutes. There's absolutely no reason to turn the gas on at any point, unless you get a massive opportunity, but as opposed to taking like 10 to 15 minute windows and pushing like crazy in those 10 to 15 minute windows to try and get yourself a goal. I think you just sit back this whole game, low block and just invite pressure and try and beat them on a counter. But that that all kind of depends on on the exact lineup. So, my friend, what are your predictions for the exact roster? Is it going to be the same as we saw last week or any changes for you, my friend?
1: Uh, I do I think that we're gonna go back to what we had for the starting lineup uh in Vancouver last this past week on Wednesday for the Conca Champions League. I think that um that was uh, uh that that is our, our go to lineup. That is some of our starters. Uh, that we expect to see um so I, I I definitely don't expect to see some of the players that were in the starting lineup this past weekend specifically uh I expect to see McCarthy back in the net for sure uh you know I I'm always a big Sifu fan you know having Tillman kind of take that starting spot over Sifu, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure if, if Sifu hasn't been getting the nod because of coming back from international duty and this, that, but, uh, or if he's just going, or if uh, Dolo's just going with the hot hand and, and Tillman, but uh, I mean, if Sifu were to start, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, Acosta for sure. I expect to see, Um, but no, just just to refresh your memory. It was McCarthy, Palacios, Long, Mario,
0: Hollingshead, Acosta, Sanchez, Tillman, Opoku, Vela, Buanga who started the game out.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, but there's a lot of those players that are interchangeable too. Like I, I could see Chiellini getting the start again uh, over Mario or over Long. I could see. Uh, Tillman... I mean, you got to
0: put in your A games. It's got to be Chiellini, Mario, right now. I mean, nothing against. I, I...
1: I don't know, dude. Aaron long has been looking. I mean, that leg, that leg, bro, that leg right there was Aaron long. Far. Best
0: defender in MLS could be lying down on the turf, still defends better than your
1: defender. But uh, no, I, you know, uh, I mean, we are just, we are so fortunate and blessed right now with depth that uh, there's a lot of people that we could have as our starting 11. And I think that again, there would be plenty of other clubs that would love to have those players come off of the bench, uh, you know, Vela, Apoku, and Buonga. But then you say, oh, well, let's throw Stipe Bukin and give him an opportunity. Um, you know, it's it, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, speaking of which two midfielders that have has seriously impressed, now granted I've been watching a lot of the LAFC2, Eric Duenas, bro. Eric Duenas is a midfielder. I mean, I was I've been impressed with him with the LAFC two, and then the recent matches that he came in. But I mean, we haven't talked about it yet from the Austin match. But Eric Dwayne is coming in at midfielder. Put him in. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, he did miss a sitter, but aside from that, I mean, aside from that, he's looked good, bro. I'll agree.
1: I mean, uh, is that a so, sitter? Are we call? Are we considering that a sitter at this point?
0: I mean, one on one with the keeper.
1: Yeah, to I mean, bro, he was he was in a full on spring. Hey, wait,
0: wait, wait, we're not talking about the Austin game. We'll get there. We'll get there. I'll say save your save your rant for when we get to the Austin game. Go ahead and give me your score prediction for tomorrow, potentially today at time of listening versus I, Vancouver.
1: I think Vancouver will get one. So I think the final score line will be three one Vancouver. I'm just in scores. Yo, he almost scored against this uh, and uh, last week. I, I mean, he scored against us the very first time that we played him after after Vancouver had acquired him. I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be set shocked. Set
0: piece, corner, Blackman something. header. Something. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. You know, ball deflects around in the box, and he's there to clean up something off a set piece. Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't like it, especially not at the mo. Like to keep you know clean what? sheets at home.
1: I think that Tristan would be a class, bro. He wouldn't celebrate and stuff like that. Like he, he still very much, you know, respects the black and gold.
0: And we still have very much respect for him as well, too. A two way street there. Um, He's already scored uh, at then the bank and did not celebrate. I, I don't but know. But that what was this...
1: right after he had, he had left. Right. And like, this is now uh, more than a season removed. I think that you still don't, you know, especially being down, right? Like, you're not going to celebrate being down. It's more of that mentality of like, hey, let's get back to work. We still have more work to do.
0: If he scores, like, let's just say a spaceship lands, right? Full hypothetical at this point. And somehow Vancouver are able to put four goals and they win the game for nothing and they advance and we lose, right? Not going to happen. But if he scores that fourth and game winning goal late in the game, go ahead, celebrate kids. You earned it, right? I'm all right with that. But you're right. If it's the goal to make it, or 4-1 at this point in time in the game, and it's a garbage goal and it doesn't really matter. Don't want to see him celebrate. And I still think Tristan Blackman may end up back with the black and gold at some point in time in his career. So I think he wants that as well, too. I think he'd like to come back around to the team that drafted him. So I think he's going to show respect if that's the case. Full hypothetical. I really don't think they're scoring. They showed me nothing in the course of 90 minutes at their home stadium that said they believe they could win this game against LAFC. Just, just not there for me.
1: I, I, but again, you look at how they're trending and what their current run of form is and things like that, and it's, I mean, they're 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 digging themselves out of a hole right now, and it's uh it's not getting any easier.
0: Yeah, I I think it's game over personally. I I think once again, I mean, it might not be as demonstrative a score line of of three nil in the second leg. But I think we're just going to sit back, absorb pressure, try and beat them on the counter, try and beat them with long balls over the top. And if Bowonga's in there, I mean, even in a game that doesn't matter, wouldn't surprise me, Bowonga goes out, gets a brace. We win this one 2-0, and we see it out to a 5-0 aggregate victory. I think that's, that's my prediction. 2-0, we'll get two goals just without even trying.
1: Now, let me ask you this. On the flip side of this, right, not really supposed to ever look past an opponent, but the next opponent... Right now, Philadelphia is up 1-0 aggregate on Atlas. How do you think that match is going to go on Wednesday? Good luck,
0: Philadelphia, trying to win in Guadalajara. That That is a big, big task ahead of them. Yes, they've got the 1-0 lead. Good on them. I just would be astonished if that's enough to see it through. Atlas is such a good team. It would not surprise me if they won that game 3-0 or 3-1 and moved on. Wouldn't surprise me at all. If I was a betting man, I'd still probably be betting on Atlas to win the series. But it is advantage Philadelphia. Now, the question is really... ventilating opponents. In one, you have a recap of the greatest MLS game ever played it could be a chance for revenge for philadelphia it could be a chance for lafc to show that we're not just resting on last year's laurels but we've gotten better while many people feel that philadelphia stayed pat and and in fact the team has certainly not performed up to last year's standard so far this year i'm still not worried about them when it comes to you know playoff and coming out of the east i still think they're sitting in the right seat there And then on the other hand, you have us going down to Guadalajara. I know that if we end up playing there, a healthy contingent of the black and gold will go down there. You're an hour and a half from the beach at Puerto Vallarta. You're an hour from sitting in the agave fields of tequila. Man, I would love, 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 love an away day in Guadalajara. That sounds like a blast to take the black and gold down there. Away days in Philadelphia, meh, not so much. Can't imagine their fans would give us the warmest of welcomes either. I just, uh, I would have to say I prefer Guadalajara. And so maybe that's why my heart wants them to win in this second leg. But good on Philadelphia if they can go down there and beat Atlas. They just certainly haven't shown that to me yet this year.
1: I would prefer to see Atlas. I think that that also does more for the enjoyment of the of the matches at the bank, right? I'm, I'm not totally looking forward to the game against Vancouver because again, it's familiar and it's something that you can see anytime in a regular season match. I very much would have appreciated if this would have been a a team from the Liga MX or from uh, just a a central, a central American team. Um, But, you know, so for that reason, I would like to like us to play Atlas just because, I think that if we play Philadelphia, there is a chance again that it's going to be a less than full crowd. I mean, I don't think it's going to be
0: a less than full crowd at the bank, not against Philadelphia. For that rematch, MLS Cup, I mean, there's there's so much about that. But I agree. Atlas is it's just more fun. It's more fun to beat uh, a Liga MX team than it is to, to beat Philadelphia again. Old news, beating Philadelphia, but... Either way, that is that is looking past our next opponent. But with a 3-0 lead on aggregate versus a team that is woefully mired in the lower half of the table and really hasn't shown us much of anything, I would be astonished if Vancouver even makes a game out of it. I think we just go out there and steamroll them. I think this team does not want to lose in front of their home crowd. And even though they have a 3-0 lead they've already had one second leg at home that they didn't come out on top of. And I don't think that sat well with the team. So I think they're just going to park the bus and good on them. block you know, block and counter, block and counter piece of cake, man. And, and Vancouver doesn't have enough to break us down if we go into a low block, but that's, that's my prediction. Any final thoughts on conquer champions before we move on to MLS competition, my friend.
1: No, I'm just, you know, it's definitely getting exciting and uh, it, LAFC does seem like they have an easier road to the finals. And uh, I just hope that, uh, you know, we just continue to assert ourselves and we don't have to sacrifice at all the way Seattle did last season.
0: Speaking of last year's postseason opponents, LAFC facing off against Los Verde, the Broccoli of Austin, at the bank, a marquee matchup with postseason implications written all over it. Black and gold storming out to an undefeated start to the season near top of the table. Austin FC made some tweaks to a roster that was very good last year, and those tweaks do not seem to be paying off. Have had a pretty rough start to the year, although they're still at a decent-ish spot in the table. But certainly the conversations around both teams diametrically opposed at this point. Everyone singing the praises of LAFC, and a lot of people riding. Mr. Wolf and his Austin FC into this game. One that meant a lot to Austin. Didn't really mean as much to us here in the black and gold. We've got CCL around it. We've got a big derby match versus Carson coming up. It seemed like this game was almost an afterthought. And yet it took a very short amount of time for that man, Denny freaking Buonga, to just go ahead and destroy Austin single-handedly. Dios Mio, man. He is en fuego. Your defense is terrified. Buwanga is on fire. Massive bangers. Every single one of the goals that he scored in this game, goal of the year contenders. To just put the team on his back and put on a show for the fans. Almost had a rocket of a Tillman goal that would have been electric. Almost had Duane get his first goal for the black and gold there in the waning minutes. But this game was all about none other. Than Gabon's finest, Denny Buanga. Wow. Wow.
1: Bro, it's the Denny Buanga show. Like, it's it's his world. And we're just living in it, bro. Like, this is it's in it's unreal at this point in time. He is such a strong and impressive player. Um, and and I mean he he is just impressing everybody. There's it's gonna be really hard for other players in the MLS to make as strong of a fight for the MVP of the league. If you're just looking so far at the, at the early stages, but if he continues to play at this level, it's, it's going to be really hard to argue that it's anyone else.
0: No, I mean the shouts of MVP roaring from the faithful there at the Mo was, was a lovely thing to hear. I I do have to give a, a hat tip to Dolo. Because the first half hour of this game was pretty cagey. Austin had the lion's share of possession. LAFC had a few good looks, but Austin really seemed to be dictating the pace of the game. And certainly in that midfield where they had their forwards dropping back and they were really helping take advantage of that midfield. And at about the 30th minute, Dolo switched up the tactics from our traditional one six and two eights to two sixes and moving the other midfielder all the way up to the 10 position freeing up Bawanga to just run wild up top, and it worked swimmingly. So as much credit as we have to give Bawanga for scoring world-class bangers, which he absolutely did. I mean, just an electric show that he put on. Him being put in that position tactically by Chirondolo, making that change in the midfield, bringing it from one midfielder in the back defensively to two midfielders back defensively and allowing the other midfielder to move forward into the attack a bit more often really did pay dividends. And I thought that was incredibly impressive. There were, however, a couple things about this match that were unimpressive that do raise a few flags of concern for me with regards to the black and gold. And First and foremost, it's Jose Supuentes. Sifu did not look good in this game. He had a lot of very poor passes. His decision-making was not great. There were a few different times in which he was in on goal and made a direction change back into the defense. He missed some very obvious passes, had some real sloppy pay, and I'm starting to wonder if not being moved has affected Sifu mentally. We know he's already been dropped in big games for Tillman, and Tillman has really stepped up and sort of taken Sifu's spot from him. And I had hoped that that would light a fire under Sifu and he would be fighting back to try and get that position back. But in this opportunity to step up against Austin and show himself, it was not a great performance. So Chris, my friend, what do you think is wrong with Sifu right now?
1: You know, I I think that there could potentially be a little bit of uh, the pressure to perform, right? There's there was a long period of time where that that midfield position was solidified and it was Sifu's, and there wasn't really anyone there challenging him for it. Um, now that Tillman has come through, we also got uh, Bogus coming in. There there are midfielders that are potentially going to be. Uh, pushing for those starting spots. Uh, And then Tillman's case has already kind of earned that starting spot. Uh, And it could also just be a matter of adjusting to any kind of changes that Dolo might be looking to try and implement. You know, we don't know tactically if Steve Torundolo is looking to shift things or change roles or, or movements of players. Um, And so maybe there's a change that he's having a hard time adjusting to. Uh, and also keep in mind him going out on international duty, taking him away from the team and things like that. Any, any one of those things could be contributing factors to where he's at, or he might've just had an off game. Players are, you know, human and they are uh, bound to have off games from time to time. Uh I think that all in all, I would still take Sifu in his current form and bet that he would, turn out to play the way that we are used to seeing him play.
0: And some of it could just be that he's lost minutes and without being out there as often, you know, there's <clears throat> some acclamation to some of the new players that are around him. I mean, I think there was a moment in the game when Stipe Buch played just a perfect ball to him and all he's got to do brilliant weight on it is just one touch it fire it on goal. Instead, he takes a touch and cuts it back into four defenders still manages to get a shot off. It deflected right... I mean, the shot went straight into the chest of one of the Austin players. It it almost ricocheted into the the back of the net. But I I just was astonished that a player of his quality, with a shot from range that we know he has, and this is inside the box, that he doesn't just one-time that and put it on goal, but instead decides to settle it going back in and and into traffic. There was just a few moments like that where you know, he failed to complete a 10-foot, 15-foot pass, and I just thought... Man, this is a very different seafood than I'm used to seeing. And I really hope it gets figured out. Hopefully he just needs some more minutes this season and we get back to seeing the seafood that we all believe can be sold on for a healthy fee. He is still currently, I believe, in the top five transfer value players inside of MLS at the moment. He's still rated pretty highly. I just think his World Cup performance where he didn't get much of a chance to play might have bruised his ego a little bit. And seeing him so far this year has not been the Sifu that we are used to seeing. And hopefully with uh, him expected to take big minutes versus Carson coming up this weekend, we see a completely different Sifu. My last thought really on this Austin game was obviously Eldon Jakovic who came in and made his first start for the black and gold. Kept a clean sheet, made a couple fantastic saves. So spot on, great work by a backup. But there were also a couple moments where I would expect a keeper of his veteran prowess with the experience that he has to not make some of the mistakes that he made. There was a moment where he had a ball taken off his foot by an Austin player inside the box, very close to being a goal going back the other way had the defense not stepped in and cleared it out for him. He ended up punching Collini in the back of the head when he was trying to clear one ball out of the midfield that you know, Kalini had the ball marked. There was no need for him to come in and, and contest with Kalini and end up hitting Giorgio in the back of the head as he tried to punch it out. And thankfully, nothing really happened there. Uh, there were also a couple times in which, you know, some fairly tame shots came in and he spilled a rebound that he was able to clean up. Had some distribution that went straight to the other team. I was just a little surprised at the areas of the game I thought he was going to be really good at. Distribution awareness of where your defenders are the things I would expect a veteran keeper to have handily. He seemed to struggle in those moments, but then in the lightning quick reaction to shot something, you you know, maybe the elder Statesman keeper is not going to be as good at. He was amazing at. So I don't sort of a mixed gap bag for me for Eldon, but what were your thoughts on his performance? Uh,
1: you know, I, <clears throat> I think that overall it was a, it was a, it was a strong performance. His, first time getting real minutes in a a, a a long length of time when he first came acquired we had talked about his previous career and how many clubs he had been with and that he had not really seen a lot of first team minutes in 18 months or something like that it, it had been a, a long stretch of time before the last time he had seen a game so i think that this was a good opportunity for him it showed that Right now, until Max is fully fit and healthy, that we do have a backup goalie to McCarthy that is suitable to to meet our needs. Um, But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is not a long-term resolution. It's simply just something for the interim.
0: Yeah, look, again, as your third-string keeper, really, behind Max and McCarthy at this point... Sort of champagne problems uh, to be to be, you know, nitpicking at a keeper that just kept a clean sheet in his debut performance for us. So uh, I, I do have all that in mind, but there were a couple things that stood out to me in his performance that I, I expected differently of, of a man of his quality. All in all, he didn't really have to face many shots. We outshot them 26 to nine on the game and it was thoroughly one sided. However, the post game press conferences were not one sided. Wolf comes out and says that, you know, they dictated the first 30 minutes of the game and really felt like there was something to build on there for them if they could have just found the back of the net. And then in Dolo's press conference, he was like, well, look, you know, we kind of played with them for 30 minutes and then I switched the tactics around and we pounced him again. I think this was more of Torundolo's effort saving than it was about Austin dominating. And I wonder where you fall in the conversation of when LAFC are on the back foot and allow another team to have the run of play. Is that more us just conserving energy in a very contested, congested part of the schedule? Or was it really Austin who had the advantage for that first 30 minutes?
1: I think that a lot of times, especially in matches, you'll see um, if you watch European football, you'll see that there are teams that come out in the first half and they look one way and then tactically they'll make a shift and they'll make a change at halftime and then they come out in the second half and they look like a totally different team. And I think that when you see what successful coaches do and how they implement change throughout the game and they see what the other team is doing. So I am i wouldn't be surprised that a, a, a coach like, Grundolo would would want to give the impression that, hey, this is this is what I'm doing and I'm making these changes. And I'd like to believe that because when you find someone who has found who has had the amount of success that he's had as early as he had, he has to be doing something right that other coaches aren't doing. Uh or if they are doing it, they're not doing it as well as he is. Uh you know, I think that Josh Wolf is a very capable coach, but um I think that this was as expected. You know, our team is a very strong team right now and they are firing on all cylinders and they're gelling together and they're working together and they're, they're passing and communicating and shooting. And I think that Steve Terundolo has done a very good job at prepping this team for what is to be expected and for how to transition should they see anything on the field that the other team is giving them. Uh, So... You know, and and maybe that's part of the tactic is to make the team feel like they're gaining momentum when really they are just kind of playing into a hand. I'm not really sure. You know, I wish we had Christian on and we could get his two cents on this one today. But, uh, you know, he's basking
0: in the sun in El Salvador at the moment. So uh, we'll allow him his vacation. But I'm going to go with that. It's cat and mouse. I I think it was far more cat and mouse and us just toying with them and convincing them to come out a little bit getting them out of their defensive shape and then, you know, quickly changing the tactics and pouncing on them. I'm going to say that this was a masterclass by Torundolo in game management, as opposed to Austin having 30 minutes of fun. Any final thoughts on the 3-0 decimation of FC Broccoli before we look ahead to the weekend?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Nicole Anderson for uh, giving my sons the opportunity. They were uh, player escorts this past weekend for the LAFC Austin match. Um, it was a really cool experience. My sons, you know, it definitely made their weekend. Um, it it was, it was just a lot of fun. It was, it, you know, seeing them on the field, being able to uh, sharing that moment with them. And I just, you know, all the people at LAC that helped make this happen, uh, you know, uh, James and Nicole, it, it was really, really kind of all of you guys, Carlos too, you know, Carlos is uh, someone that I've been getting to know a little bit better through LAFC too. And it's just all of those, everybody else that made this an opportunity for my sons and, and even all the people down in, uh, the S 10 suite, uh, soccer head and blaze and and legend and all the people that just were down there and just really cool taking pictures you know letting my sons take pictures with them jason mcnook was cool he let uh, my sons hold ollie with his glove on and things like that so it's it was just overall the match on over the weekend was it was great because of how we played it was a lot of fun because we got to be in the north end uh and we were cheering and then on top of that, too, they got to be player escorts and have all these other fun experiences on top of it. So it was just uh, it was just amazing.
0: Loved seeing in the social media all the posts of you and your boys and that familial experience and being able to pass your passion for the black and gold on to your children in the next generation. beautiful thing to get to take in, my friend. And I'm glad you got to have that father son moment. Father son's moment, I should say. Um uh, before we move on to this weekend's derby, uh, we also had another game for the black and gold, although in this case it was LAFC 2. As our resident LAFC 2 expert, Chris, you want to take us through the 2-1 loss for the Cracklitos?
1: So I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch much of the game because it was on Easter and i was doing things with my family i caught you know i was trying to pop in and pop out uh i got notified of the scores and uh, you know it's uh it's tough we traveled lafc 2 traveled uh to kansas city sporting kansas city 2 uh and they ended up losing 2 to 1 uh we got another goal put another put another goal on on the uh score sheet but again it was not enough not enough still looking for that first win so Hopefully we got it coming up again for anybody that's interested in trying to catch an LAFC two match here. It's going to their next home match is going to be April twenty ninth, I believe it is. April twenty ninth is That's a home game, is it not? Yes, it is a home game. It is uh So head on out
0: to Titan Stadium on the campus of beautiful Cal State Fullerton. Three o'clock.
1: No, the thirtieth. Sorry. Sorry. It's oh, the thirtieth. Thirtieth at three thirty.
0: 30th at 3.30. All right, you, you've heard it here, folks. Be there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you get to rub elbows with the front office for LAFC. It's all the player development and scouting folks tend to be there. Uh, you get a mini 3252 experience brought to you by the Empire Boys who've been doing a great job holding it down there. Would love to see more fans get out, man. We're averaging about 500 or so folks in attendance for those games. Would love to see that number double, triple, quadruple. I mean, there's no reason we can't get... We can sell out 22,000 at the bank week in and week out. Should be no reason we shouldn't be able to get one to 2,000 to be able to show up down at Cal State Fullerton. What a great opportunity for all the IE and OC black and gold fans to come on out and support this team. Get a chance to meet the likes of a Marco Garces, a Jordan Harvey, a Richard Roscoe, all those people that end up being in the crowd week in and week out for LAFC two. You're missing out on a huge opportunity, folks. Those games are a ton of fun. And tickets are like five, 10 bucks. I mean, you can't beat that to come on in. And it's it's some good soccer, good experience. You get the chance to watch uh the kids coming up. I have to say there are some times when you definitely realize you're watching a developmental league. And don't expect the same kind of fluidity and dominance that you would expect from the flagship LAFC team week in and week out. But it's going to be great to say in 5-10 years, oh, I was there when so-and-so was playing for LAFC 2 in front of, you know, a few thousand people when they're on the big stage doing big things. Any final thoughts, my friend, on LAFC 2?
1: No, just, uh, you know, watch them on your MLS uh, season pass and continue to support. Come on out. It'll be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it was not crazy about the broadcast this time around. Uh, better at pronouncing names, I'll give it that. But uh, you know, Apple TV still throwing this out there. Philly and I, our season with the MASL has come to a close and uh, are certainly available. My phone hasn't rang yet, disappointingly so. But uh, I'm waiting on you, Apple TV. I believe in you.
1: Moving on, bro, my friend. Philly is quite. Philly is quite busy, bro. Philly, uh, I saw Philly at uh, at the game, and he was. Uh, he's now doing something with uh, the Bayern-LAFC relationship. So, so I was uh...
0: actually with Philly all morning, starting at 5 a.m. when we arrived at House of Football in Bayern gear to watch uh, Bayern München take on Freiburg. And it was a really fun game. The film crew from Bayern Munich was following Philly around all day. I got to spend the morning with him. They're doing some features on LAFC fans with German ties for the new red-gold collaboration between both teams. So I got a chance to meet the folks from Bayern Munich and their film crew. They gave me a Bayern Munich scarf and a sweatshirt, and I wore my Thomas Muller jersey. And it was a good game, good times. Got to meet a bunch of the LA Bayern Munich fans. It was a lot of fun. As you know, historically, I've never really had a Bundesliga team that I root for. I've always just been a fan of the German national team and have followed Bundesliga. But uh, after that experience, I don't know, man, I might have just become a Bayern Munich fan. It might may have happened, which I know would disappoint a lot of people.
1: Bro, I mean, way to way to way to pick the really, really competitive team, right? Like way to pick the team at the top and just, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to just pick the team that's won the Bundesliga. uh, What is it? 11 out of the last 12 years or whatever it is.
0: You know, maybe it's just, you know, hoisting cups. I've become addicted to it. What can I say? Um, my childhood team of FC Kuhn have not done very well in the past decade or two. Uh, they were the most dominant team in German football throughout my childhood. And and before that, I have a lot of family ties to the Cologne area uh, where FC Kuhn comes from. Um, but uh, not, not a lot of fun to watch those games of late. I like what's going on in St. Pauli. They're doing great stuff down in the Schweizer Bundesliga. But um, I know you have your own particular ties there as well, too, my friend. Um, But
1: uh, I, uh, you know, look,
0: virtually every single player that comes through Bayern Munich ends up being either world class and an amazing player and fun to watch. Or they're German national team players, and I'm going to be rooting for them anyway. So it's a hard team to root against, but I had a really fun time hanging out with Philly while he was on camera, and I was just uh, chilling back with Panda and Scarf and having a few early morning beverages there at House of Football, which is just a beautiful place to take in a game. It was a lot of fun. Hats off to the whole crew there for hosting us and uh, the folks from Mia San Hollywood, the Hollywood supporters group for Bayern Munich, which was uh, just fun to kick it with some really cool people. People showing up in lederhosen, and I felt uh, I felt underdressed. I left my lederhosen at home. I didn't know I should have come in full Oktoberfest regalia. So uh, maybe next time I'll have to show up with my lederhosen on and, and have a good time. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, needs to be some pretzels. You know, it's hard to watch German football without a good Bavarian pretzel, but uh, I had breakfast burritos instead from up the street, and it was, it was all right. It was a good time, though. But yeah, yeah, Philly. Going out there, getting filmed all day. He's a busy man. Good on him for it. But uh, I'm sure he's not busy enough that if Apple TV were to call and ask us to take over some LAFC2 responsibilities, that he and I would not get those uh, game boards ready and be out there and have a good time and put on a show for the fans. I'd love to see just play-by-play in color. You know, as of right now, we've had three broadcasts for LAFC2, one with no broadcasting, unacceptable Apple TV, and then two with just a play-by-play and no color. And uh, I guarantee you the price is right if they want to come and hire us, and the quality of the content would be stellar. But I digress. Let's go ahead and advance the conversation to what is arguably the biggest regular season game of the season. The last box to be checked for the black and gold in our league and in Major League Soccer. The only accomplishment we crave and have yet to capture is that away win down in carson we have the most brilliant chance to do it right now because carson are up a creek sands paddle my friend so what are your thoughts on the derby coming up this weekend does it have that same vibe of always or is it really a difficult game right now because of the doldrums that Carson are in.
1: That's gotta be, it's gotta be a rhetorical question, right? Like you can't seriously ask if this is the same vibe as they've always been. These matches have been less than uh, entertaining outside of, you know, the playoff matches, right? Like they, um, they are underwhelming oftentimes, especially leading into it. We talked about it at the beginning of the season when we were supposed to play, the Rose Bowl match that it's it didn't feel like uh, the match. There was much buildup to it, and I don't know if the moving the match to the Fourth of July is is ample time for there to be enough of a buildup to really try and make any kind of changes or improvements on the atmosphere leading into the match. But the for, from everything that we've seen. The in-stadium experience is really underwhelming. Uh, you know, there have been people that have said that they could hear people having conversations during matches from like the the press box and things like that. They can hear the fans like having con- like general conversation. That that the you know the the lack of supporters there it makes it a very quieter. It, the environment is a lot quieter. Um, they picked up two red cards from their match this past weekend. So two of their starters are not going to be, um, uh, Costa and Caceres Two
0: dumb reds. Like, I don't know if you watch the game or not, but like Caceres already on a yellow walks over to a ref who's at the VAR monitor and puts his hands on him. Everyone knows that's that's a yellow. You can't do that. You can't cross into their little arc, and you certainly can't go up to a ref while they are looking at VAR and place your hand on them. That's, that's something that every player in this league knows you cannot do. And the fact that he went over and did that and got a silly red is just laughable. And it almost says, I didn't want anything to do with this LAFC game on the weekend. I didn't even want to be in the match. I knew we were already getting spanked by Houston, so I just want to get off the turf and get out of this game and probably out of this team as quickly as possible. Blew my mind. And then, Posta. I I mean, just a horse tackle, horse collar tackle from behind, grabs a player by the neck, throws him to the ground to try and get the ball back for a throw-in in the waning minutes of a game in which you're already losing by three goals there was nothing nothing that a quick throw in was going to gain them at that point in time and and just frustration boiling over into stupidity and it blows my mind that Carson are this poorly regimented at this point in the season given what they've gone through and i would be astonished at this point if there is not a head coach change at some point in time this season if things continue down this path because These are the darkest days Carson has ever had. And I know all of us are just lapping up Carson tears at this moment. But, I mean, we're talking about their fan base is going on Twitter saying that they think the team is going to be sold, that they think the team could potentially move from Southern California to elsewhere in the world, that things are that dark in the Galaxy's world right now is, is just a sign of how bleak things are for them. And personally, I'm loving it. But it, it does suck a lot of the energy out of this matchup.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that Douglas Costa, uh, Kevin Baxter had written an article, and I know that Kevin's not always everybody's favorite uh, pundit for soccer here in Los Angeles. But so put it Baxter, lightly. <laughs> Kevin Baxter wrote an article, and he talked about how Douglas Costa has... Uh, three red cards in his time with the galaxy. And he only has four goals in his time with the galaxy. And it's like, you know, those are very, very interesting. Cause he, he came in as someone who was supposed to be a dominant midfielder. That was, that was supposed to be putting up, putting up all sorts of goals for this club. And um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that, I mean, again, you know, you put all of that into it the team is is just not playing well they have all this turmoil in the in the front office uh the supporters are not going to be there i mean even even the uh free tickets that were being given out they still were having a hard time getting seats filled there was a a, a graphic that came up on twitter talking about the attendance over this past weekend and the galaxy weren't even in the top 12 and that's giving free tickets away.
0: It's wild. It's wild how dark things are for them right now. You can't even give away a chance to go see that right now. No atmosphere. I think, I mean, Taylor Twelman, you know, hilariously described it as a wine and cheese gathering is what it felt like in the stands. And he's like, I mean, that just, I mean, I think that kind of tells you everything about who is still willing to go into that stadium and put on those colors right now? It's uh, you know, I have to say black and gold, faithful, you are going to get a great opportunity to see what I think should be a really fun game this weekend. And it sounds like none of the Carson fans are going to be there. So what a brilliant opportunity to go out and actually have it be a sellout down there and just fill that stadium with black and gold. I would love to see it be like 8,000 black and gold fans there.
1: But, I mean, the prices for tickets are still outrageous.
0: Well, it's AG. What do you expect?
1: But I'm just, I mean, you know, let me get some of those free tickets this weekend, bro. Like, I'll, I'll take some of those free tickets. But, uh, it, no, it's the price. I was looking at prices uh, just this morning, and they're the prices for tickets are still outrageous.
0: And I wouldn't be surprised if the tickets are not cheap. This is really their one chance this year to try and make some money. But, look, at the end of the day, No one likes giving AEG money. I'm I'm certainly not a fan of it myself, but what I think is going to be a historic game for the black and gold with the potential to be our first ever win at dignity health sports park is not going to be something 10 years from now, you're going to say you missed out on because tickets were twice what you wanted to spend. I guarantee you in 10 or 15 years, you'd have gone back and spent 500 bucks to have said that you were here for this game this weekend. So why don't we go ahead and move past the optics my friend. And let's go ahead and get into the game itself. What is your lineup prediction? And what is your score prediction. For the Derby versus the Galaxy.
1: I think that in terms of my lineup prediction. I am going to expect to see. McCarthy and goal. Palacios. Chiellini because Chiellini uh, was very, very important. And in, 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 in recently he's become very, very important in this. And I think that this is, you know, an opportunity for him to get into the the, the derby. I He didn't get an opportunity to play in last season's regular season derby match. And, uh, you know, it's again, I think that you'll see him in there over Murillo. So I think it's going to be Aaron Long, I think it's going to be Chiellini. and I think it's going to be Hollingshead in the back, and then I think it'll be uh, Tillman, Acosta, and Ilié, and then Vela, Bowanga. and I'm I think I'm going to have Stipe Bukin there instead of Apoku.
0: I like it. I like it. It's bold. I think a lot of this obviously depends on how tomorrow slash today's game goes versus Vancouver. And if we're able to rest a lot of the core starters because the first half goes according to plan, then I think you see pretty much the A-team go out there versus Carson. I think Dolo knows exactly how much this win means to the fan base, and I think he's going to save our A-team to go out there on the weekend. Now, if the first 45 minutes versus Vancouver do not go according to plan, and we have to keep our starters out there longer— I would not be surprised to see a similar setup to what we have versus Austin. I feel like Daniel Maldonado did a fantastic job on the back line. I have no problem giving him a start. I know it's a derby match. I know it's a big, big game. And I know it's our first ever chance to win there away. But I have no problem with any of our four center backs being starters right now. I do not feel like there is a significant step down when you go too long or to Daniel Maldonado at this point to me they have proven that they have that ability I would like to see Giorgio Kilini in the starting lineup versus Carson because this is a man who knows all about rivalry games he's never going to lose his head he's going to be able to clean up a bad mistake if it's made and that's exactly the type of person I want in so the one name I'm writing in ink on that card right now is going to be Giorgio Kilini, Ilie Sanchez as well too The midfield is so much different when he is in there, and I feel like he has to start versus Galaxy. The rest of the team could be anyone's guess. Vela's going to want to play in that game. It means a lot to Carlos Vela, and I would be astonished if he doesn't start versus Galaxy. But, I mean, when it comes to outside backs, Palencia's done a great job. Palacios has done a great job. Hollingshead's done a great job. Could be any combination of those three, perfectly fine with that. Across the midfield, I mean, look, we know Sifu's had some down days, but I know he'll step up versus Carson. And if it's Sifu who gets the start versus Carson, I believe in him in that match. Tillman's been amazing. Acosta's been amazing. Sifu's, I mean, you know, he hasn't been as amazing, but I still believe in him in that game. And even if he has another poor performance, I don't think that's enough to tip the scales in Carson's favor. And up top, I agree. Opoku, to me, better set versus Vancouver than he is versus Carson. And I would like to see Opoku get the start versus Vancouver. And I'd like to see Stipe Buke get the start versus the Galaxy. So I think we're, we're pretty much aligned in those things, my friend. So you did not give me a score prediction. Now is your chance. Score prediction versus Carson. Go ahead.
1: I think that it, I mean, in my heart of hearts, we're going to win, right? Because every time every time that we have not, that we've had an away match at Disney Hill Sports Park, I'm always like, today's the day we're going to win. I'm always saying that, right? But I'm also sitting here and I'm like, we haven't been able to do it. And I'm so worried that I'm going to jinx them, right? Like by picking, by by saying that we're going to win, that we're just going to continue to go in this downward spiral and not get this monkey off our back. I hope so. Could you imagine? Right. Again, the the pressure is on us as a club to seal the deal and get this win. You know, if for whatever reason, if the Galaxy come out. I I mean, you're just you're never going to hear the end of it. You would never hear the end of it. So I hope I hope to God. That it's 10 zero, right? Like, I hope I hope I hope (laughs) I hope. How dare you steal my thunder? (laughs) I hope. I And I give you a hard time about this all the time. I hope it's 10-0.
0: Folks, you know, if you listen to the show, what my prediction will always be for every match versus Carson. LAFC 10, Galaxy 0. Never going to back down from it. Never, ever going to predict anything else. However... In the case of this game, I actually honestly think we could win this game 10-0 because this is a time in which we are going to be perfectly fine to absolutely pour it on that team. I think in other iterations of this derby, had we gone out to a 4 or 5-0 lead, we'd have just shut the game down and coasted through the rest of it. I don't think that is the mentality or the attitude right now. I would not be surprised if we get a Vela hat trick, a Buonga hat trick, and then, you know, insert names here come in and score themselves a few goals as well too i just i feel like the carson players are quitting on their team right now pooch really seems to be the only one that's playing with any kind of fight left in him and i don't know how much long they can keep it up especially being down two key players one of their dps to red cards at the moment like everything is just set up for this to be a wild lafc win which means Carson's probably going to win 2-0 or 2-1. They'll get some garbage penalty call that all of us are complaining about next week. LAFC will come out, and in typical form, when they go down and face Carson, we'll just have a tepid, lifeless, unimaginative performance, and all of us will be scratching our heads at the end of the game going, how the heck did we play that poorly against a team we should have absolutely manhandled? But that being said, LAFC 10, Carson nothing.
1: It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Uh, I, after the fight that happened two seasons ago, uh, over behind the Angel City Brigade, uh, Victoria Block section, uh, I hadn't, I had decided I wasn't going to take my kids for an extended period of time. I think I might take them this time. (laughs) I think that this would be the safest atmosphere to ever take them to.
0: Yeah. Well, there's not going to be any Carson supporters. All their supporters have all come out and said they're still protesting. Even though Will Koontz has been officially named to a role, well, he will be in charge of most of all their soccer operations. looks like as far as the soccer side of things go, Klein is out. He is currently only on the business side of the Galaxy. The soccer ops are going to start with Vanny, who is still in charge of soccer ops. And then you have Will Koontz, who's in charge of putting it all together for Vanny and getting him what he wants But Vanny just, he looks like he's not long for this world if these kind of results continue. And if we go out and put the kind of spanking on them that I expect us to, I would not be surprised if a change happens there. It's early in the season, and I know it's early to be sacking a gaffer, but, I mean, as far as all the coaches that are on a hot seat right now, you would have to say, Greg Vanny certainly looks like one of those coaches that if he got fired tomorrow, not a single person would be surprised. Especially after all the drama that unfolded in that last game versus Houston he looks like he has just completely lost the locker room any final thoughts on this upcoming match versus Carson before we move on
1: no nope. let's let's keep keep trucking
0: speaking of salacious and something that is absolutely despicable and i hope we never ever see ever again in this game we have to talk about what happened in the Red Bull versus Earthquakes game. 20 minutes, the game had to be stopped in order for an on-field investigation to take place, where Dante Van Zier made a racist remark towards San Jose players. He was allowed to stay in the game, despite knowing what had transpired Their coach allowed him to keep playing and didn't remove him for about another 15, 20 minutes into the game after it had resumed. They have since issued an apology on behalf of the Red Bulls, and the player himself has issued an apology. But right now, both player and coach are on the hot seat for what was one of the darkest and most despicable things I think we have seen in our time covering this league now we know that there were allegations made versus lafc i'm sorry for lafc versus portland i believe it was uh when we went up there and it was adama Diamande, i believe who claimed that a member of portland had made a racist remark against him that was investigated and they ultimately ended up doing nothing after that but in this case the player has admitted it there were multiple witnesses to it However, the player was allowed to stay in the game and did not get subbed out by his own coach who knew what had happened. Chris, man, this is just dark stuff. What are, What are your reflections on this madness?
1: You know, I think that uh, in the moment there will be a lot of criticism and there will be procedures going forward on how to resolve this. Uh, I think that if the league had a clear-cut way, it would have been followed. And I think that this is just an opportunity for them to create the boundaries of, of and the parameters by which the league is going to handle the, this sort of thing moving forward, right? being Having a league that is so... That is in a country that it that is so progressive in terms of treatment of equal, of people, equality, rights. Uh, this is this is a league that is by all means, right? Like they have been making efforts to get rid of all of the, some of the ugliest sides of football that you might see around the world. Uh, and I think it just shows us that there's a, a still a lot of work to be done, and that and that there's still uh, room for growth and improvement.
0: How many matches would be an appropriate ban for you for this incident?
1: Oh, I'm I'm not going to get into that, bro. Like I, you know, I think that once the investigation comes out and there's, um, you know, there. I I, w- I wouldn't even know. You know, like I don't I think you'd have to look at what other players had potentially gotten as their punishment whether it was in this league or in um other leagues around the world just to kind of use as a past precedent baseline. Um but I I wouldn't even be able to begin. What do you think? Personally, if it were up to me, he'd be out of the league.
0: Um But it's not up to me. Um, I I do think a healthy, you know, 10 plus games uh, is is appropriate in this case. Uh, If it's anything less than three or four games, I I think that's a massive black eye on the MLS and they wouldn't do that. So I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the four to 10 games that he'll get banned. I hope there's a lot of other things that go along with that uh, as far as fines. Uh, education uh, participating in and donating to a variety of community or, you know, race relations related charities or you know, public works that are out there. I-, I hope this is a turning point in this young man's life where he realizes that this mistake is bigger than what he did in the moment. Uh, and that this becomes an opportunity for him to become a spokesperson for change. Uh, and if those things happen, um, You know, I think we're all not above forgiveness in this world. If a person shows change, shows learning, shows progression, becomes an advocate, then then, you know, I mean, that that might change my stance on it. Uh, But as of right now, there's just no place for this in this league. And I would be perfectly fine if they sacked the coach and the player over it, my humble opinion. But uh, I, I don't think I don't think we're at that point where that's going to be the reaction. But I would be hard-pressed to think this player is going to have an easy time finding another MLS contract after this one. And I wouldn't be surprised if a a move to a foreign league isn't the change of scenery that he needs to hopefully get his head and his act together. But uh, some despicable stuff that, that I absolutely hated to see. Sorry to end on kind of a down note, but that's really the last note that I have for today, my friend. Anything else pressing that you'd like to share with the black and gold faithful at this point?
1: No, just uh, again, you know, uh, go out, support the match tomorrow. It'll be a lot of fun Or the match today when you're listening to this podcast. And uh, be safe this weekend. Doesn't matter, you know, uh, what fans or supporters may be in the stadium. If there's supporters standing outside the stadium, they... You know, you just don't want to get into any kind of altercations for people that are already upset about things that really have nothing to do with our club, right? It, it's not our club's business in terms of their internal struggles and the things they have with their front office and uh, don't uh, don't incite more violence. Represent
0: the brand with class at all times. Yes, it's, it's fun to poke at them, and there are ways we can do that that border on irreverent that are perfectly fine, but know where the line is, stay on the right side of it. The last thing I want is an embarrassing situation where any of our fans have overdrank or simply got lost in the moment and did something reprehensible, and we have to then atone for it. Uh, I would love to go down there, be the loudest people in that building, cheer our black and gold on to victory. March out with pride, a W and three points on the weekend. I don't think Vancouver is going to be an issue tomorrow slash today. I don't think galaxy are going to be an issue this weekend. And I think we could be riding into next week with back to back clean sheets. And if my score predictions hold true, we will have outscored our opponents 12 to nothing. Plus 10. (laughs) Love it. Folks, thank you so much for listening to episode 153 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Please give us a follow at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms and reach out to any of us if you are ever interested in coming on the show. On behalf of Chris Christian, myself, Jonathan, and the legend, Sound Engineer Wilson, we'd like to thank you all for listening to this episode. Take us home, Sticks.